When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If it's Monday, it is Maester class. This week, our old friend Phil Haberkern from Boston University is back to answer another listener question. Of course, I welcome emails at book at baldmove.com. These emails are the fuel that keeps this segment running. Here is Philip Haberkern. This is irregular. Uh, yes, well... I suppose that life is irregular. This is from Pumpkin Pie Sewer Rat Zero Zero. Let's do it. This is fun. And I think that that's a reference to Pulp Fiction. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Pumpkin Pie Sewer Rat is a homage to to Jules. Okay. Um, oh yeah, yeah. All right. So you you can correct <laughs> me, uh, Pumpkin Pie, if I got that wrong. I've been recently watching an animated series called Vinland Saga. Excellent storytelling, I-M-H-O. Part of it attempts to tell the story of the European religions just before 1033 AD. Mostly, it's a clash of Viking religion and Christianity. One of the things that I found interesting about the depiction of Christians is that they are a people hoping for final judgment. According to the show, people believed divine judgment, the divine judgment day, would happen exactly 1,000 years after Christ's departure. Can you speak to this? Was there anxiety about the 1,000 year mark? What happened to these people after they realized the error of their hopes? I know that this is a, a, a bit earlier than, than your That's field okay. of study. No, it's interesting because, again, I, I think this is a one of those topics where 50 years ago, I think there was a lot of a strong scholarly feeling that whether in the year 1000 or in the year 1033, there was this sort of, um, I don't even know how to describe it, endemic apocalyptic angst. Mm -hmm. This idea that, you know, if you're keeping records and you have a sort of this idea of the world week where there Mm -hmm. are seven ages of man, each lasting a thousand years, that you're sort of on the cusp of a great change. And I think there are certainly sort of monastic writers, intellectuals, um, people who are more prophetically inclined, who are, you know, calculating these numbers out, thinking very hard about it, and writing treatises in which they're thinking Mm. about, again, the sort of the coming parousia, the return of Christ, the sort of transition into the next final age. Some of that is certainly kind of coupled with, you know, a strong perception of societal, political, military crisis, which is going on. I mean, that time period, you have really weak centralized powers. There's a lot of, again, like sort of low level, but consistent military conflict Mm. in places like France. It actually would have, it 
that 11th century period feels to me very parallel to what we kind of see going on with, you know, lordless soldiers kind of ravaging the countryside in A Song of Ice and Fire. Right. Um, so we know that there are some writers who are thinking about this. We know that there is a certain kind of perception of societal decline that's going on. But is there like a mass social mm. movement or is this a does this become popular? If you were a, a lot... a, just a farmer, you know, who, yes, who might who might be, you know, pretty pious. But do you have mm-hmm. angst about the year? I, yeah, that's a good question. And so, you know, again, like we we think, we know, like you get tales of sort of traveling preachers, sort of wandering itinerants with a good dose of charisma uh, who might come through and sort of convince you to do penance um, because the time is nigh. Hmm. But it doesn't seem like there was any kind of like really or, or there's not as widespread, I should say, um, sort of social movement that's growing out of this that's sort of preparing for the end times. Um, in the way that I think if you're reading the intellectual, you know, the sort of intellectual treatises, you might think there would be. Mm. So I think there's a little bit of a disconnect. Um, so in that case, when your predictions don't come true, um, it's hard for us to say now there have been lots and lots of people who've studied what happens when prophecy fails, what happens when you predict the end of times and it fails to come about and interestingly this is true for people who are involved in you know alien cults in the 1950s in the u.s or in apocalyptic christian movements in the 16th century or earlier there's a tendency to double down there's a tendency to self-examination and sort of saying well it didn't happen but it's our fault we didn't right we didn't you know or you just or you just go back and redo the math (laughs) redoing the math is always a good thing um, it's always a it's good like, thing. Oh yeah, that that we we should have thought of that one as not seven years, but seventy-seven years. That that's what that yes. symbol meant. And then of course you come up with a new number. I mean, I I think I mean we see these in the modern world. Um, I've seen a number of radio preachers have this problem in my lifetime. Absolutely. So yeah, Absolutely. sometimes you just sometimes you double down by redoing the math. Yes. And and so there's I'm interested, like as a couple of the, the groups that I, I sort of do research on, what you see happening though is the failure of prophecy or prediction can often lead to violence. So again, there's mm. this idea of we we did not sufficiently purify ourselves or our society to prepare the way um, for this event that we anticipated. So in certain moments that can lead towards like physically we need to scourge the world or more likely our region um, in order to sort of satisfy the prerequisites for the return. And and so the goalposts are shifting, whether through recalculation, as you said, or else it's this kind of internal, you know, self-examination, which can, can not always, but certainly can uh, then transform into these sort of outward acts mm. of violence. So th- that's, that to me is the dynamics of communities that have committed to this kind of prophetic vision, what happens when they fail to materialize is, I mean, it's a very well-studied phenomenon in sort of religious sociology and history, but it's, I think it's sort of endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think um, on the fly, that was pretty impressive. 
Uh, There's also a really good chance that I was just wrong about some things (laughs) I said. So we'll have some some fact checkers out there, I'm sure. Uh, Sure. Well, I I do this for a living, too, and that sounded pretty decent. So, okay, All right. (laughs) 